We are now going to travel to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I used to live in Pennsylvania, just north of Pittsburgh. Yeah, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, 1914. And into the world comes little Kenny. Mother, I think, is a piano player. Father's a trombone player. Uh, marriage didn't last very long. Dad left the family, moved out to Washington, and started a new family. That was the end of that. Eventually, um, Mom married a preacher. And uh, not long after that, she died. Um, so, who came was only about five. Now, he did have, you know, some siblings, a brother, uh, primarily, and uh, the preacher did the best he could uh, to raise these little kids he had inherited. But uh, they were basically orphans. And uh, they went from place to the other. And finally, um, uh, the two brothers got split up because of an argument. And Kenny went one place, his brother went another. And um, by the time he's like uh, 12, 14, uh, he's uh, living by himself and waiting for time to pass so he can go out and establish himself. But he learned to play the drums in the midst of all this. And uh, because of his, um, uh, how shall we say this, inconsistency in his life, um, his training was inconsistent, so he had to develop his own techniques and ideas based on instinct. And that would be the most important aspect of uh, his development as an icon in this music. Um, early on, uh, he's playing around uh, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, uh, and Ohio, and was even playing a club in Cincinnati called a Cotton Club. Yeah, I didn't realize they had a Cotton Club Midwest too, but they did, he was playing there. And it was in that area that he discovered the vibraphone. So he became both a drummer and a vibraphonist, and he continued to play both instruments uh, professionally uh, for the rest of his life. But upon meeting Dizzy Gillespie um, and uh, playing in a band with him, he had already started to change some things. You see, uh, Papa Joe, uh, started keeping time on the hi-hat, and that was a big, big innovation in jazz drumming. But Kenny's idea was, look, I'm gonna keep time with my right hand on this rise cymbal, and I'm gonna take this hi-hat, and uh, I'm gonna have it play the backbeats. So I got my ding, 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 that's the whole swing right there. That's all you need. Somebody said bass drum. What bass drum? We just gonna use the bass drum to drop bombs. Jing 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 ching 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 boom. Jing jing ching 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 boom. Just gonna drop bombs with that bass drum, baby. And then this left hand is free to play all kind of syncopation and mess with the rhythm and play in between things and on top of things and create all kinds of anticipations and answers and responses. Oh 
yeah. We are now into modern drumming, except most people in big bands, they ain't not using that. So he eventually, I think it was in Teddy Hill's big band, he got fired because the drummer normally sits right by the trombone section and the trombone players were totally irritated by this unorthodox drumming. Man, that cat messing up our time, we want him gone. Well, he got fired, but he didn't change his style. And he eventually was hired by Hill, who was managing Minton's, to be the house drummer at Minton's when this new music we call bebop was being developed. And that whole thing he did with the rise cymbal and the socks cymbal and the dropping the bombs and the da 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 with the snare drum and all that. Oh yeah, that became the beginning of modern drumming. And you know what? Hasn't changed to this very day. What Kenny Clark created back in the 40s is still being done, period. There may be some variations on it, but you know what? We still basically keep it having that rise when we still messing around with this here, stirring up, percolating. We're still dropping bombs. Now there's some there's some drummers in their infancy who would just tap, 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 ghost on the bass drum. I try to discourage that as much as I possibly can. Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, that's the first thing young drummers have to deal with with me. I, I'm not going to deal with that too much. Uh, it's all about the ride in the hi-hat and then fill in right here and that bass drum just drops some bombs. So learn how to just take a patient with it, baby, like Kenny Clark taught us to do. Um, he ended up uh, getting drafted into the military. Uh, but he met a lady that I never met, but I know her through her music. I call her my Scotch and solar jazz singer, Miss Carmen McRae. Ooh, Miss Carmen McRae, let me tell you. If you ever heard her, go check her out. Well, evidently, Kenny Clark checked her out. He checked her out closely, so closely that they got married. And he never, re never uh, uh, reported for military induction. That's not a good thing. Matter of fact, he was missing for four months as he was enjoying uh, the fruits of his new marriage. Um, eventually, uh, he did somehow end up in the military. And uh, I think he and Carmen ended up going their separate ways after a while. And uh, he was actually put in one of the special bands in Europe. So he got a chance to go to Europe. And that was a different world for him because as many uh, black musicians were experiencing the horrors of racism uh, in this country, uh, they would go to Europe and they would feel a certain freedom, a certain humanity that, that is really hard to explain. I've had the experience, I've traveled outside this country many times, and there is a certain relaxation that you can't have in this country as a black man that is almost like an instant baptism in freedom when you're in more informed countries 
that do not have a history and legacy of slavery. That's just the bottom line. Well, Kenny had that experience. And after the war, he came back and he played here for a while. And then he ended up back in Paris for a few years. And he tried the States again. Did an awful lot of really nice gigs. Back to Paris. And he had the Clark Boland Big Band for many years in Paris. Those recordings are available to you as well. So he became one of the other jazz expatriates during this time. You know, you got Bud Power and uh, Kenny Clark and yeah, a lot of people we knew, man. From this very town, the great Buster Cooper lived in Paris uh, for a while. I mean, you know, Idris Suleiman, a great trumpet player from this town, alto sax and trumpet. He lived uh, in Europe for a long time and uh, conducted the radio uh, orchestra, Danish radio orchestra, for many, many years. Uh, until he came back just for the last uh, few years of his life here and walked among us in St. Peter. Most people didn't even know he was here. Uh, this great icon. So many uh, guys. But Kenny Clark uh, had that journey back and forth, kind of like Bud Powell, except where he went to Paris that second time. He made it his home. And uh, that is probably why his ending was a lot happier and his life was a lot longer than but Powell, who actually returned here and only lasted a few years. The important thing is this guy was orphaned at five years of age, left with a stepfather he hardly knew ended up in orphanages and tossed from place to place, separated from his brother, who, by the way, they did reunite. His brother was a bass player, guitar player, uh, who had moved to New York, an older brother, and that was one of the people that Kenny played with when he first moved to New York to help, you know, uh, pay the rent, so to speak. But look at what that journey was like. Look at all the obstacles he had to overcome as a young man. And yet, he created the new way of looking at jazz drumming. And it was so profound. And it was so righteous that we haven't changed it in all these years. And it may never change because it was done right in the first place by a young man who found himself orphaned at five, but refused to surrender to the perils and challenges of life, but to rise above them each and every single time. And that is probably why he spent a great portion of his adult life in Paris because he wanted to have the freedom to just be a man.
and do what he did like he did it and we are all blessed for that. Thank you, Kluke. <laughs> that was a nickname, Kluke. Thank you, Mr. Kenny Clark.